Hello and welcome to Rhythm and Pixels, the video game music podcast. This is episode 4-1 and we're your hosts, Rob Nichols. And I'm Pranit. And um, on this show, we listen to great video game music of the past and the present and we talk about it, we hang out, and we have a good time. And hopefully you, the listener, gets a kick out of the ridiculous and random tracks we may or may not come up with. I don't know. So this is actually our 31st episode. We're really um, excited to celebrate our, I guess, like fourth season. And oh. we're really bad at math. Bad at math. Our fourth season of Rhythm Pixels. We are celebrating with some guests. Our, uh, I guess, our Brothers in Arms podcast, the Pixel Tunes Radio. We have Mike and Ed. Hey, guys. Hey. Hey, how's it going? So um, tell us a little bit about your show and uh, what you guys do. Well, we do a video game music podcast, uh, very similar to you guys, and uh, we talk about video games and video game music. That's pretty much it. We also do some comedy sketches here and there. Uh, we like to delve a lot into like the composer's histories, like kind of give a little bit about their biographies and stuff. So we're kind of like we consider ourselves like video game music historians almost. Uh, but we, you know, we do what you guys do. We pick a lot of cool video game music and we talk about it too. Yeah, the show's goofy, it's got a lot of humor, and we try to keep it fresh and interesting and try to give you as much information as possible, too. So it's kind of like a edutainment, but in the video game music aspect. Uh, yeah, really, I really so enjoy the show. your show is equivalent to the Mario was missing line. Um, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> Except a little bit higher quality, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so no, we'll go with some Carmen San Diego quality. love here, then. <laughs> So yeah, so it's where where in the world is Pixel Tunes Radio? Yes. Okay, I like that. Yes, minus the acapella stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, only on only on Sundays. Yeah, <laughs> hey, we're talking. So yeah, I I kind of um, got in touch with Ed through um, I kind of just gave a shout out in the in a few episodes about the um, your other show that Ed is involved with called the Impulse Impulse Project, which is all about yes. demo scene music from like the '90s and, and the '80s, and it's just. It's rad. That's the right word for it. The music is so Thank rad. You. I love it. I, I it, it just it takes me back to like my um, my teenage days and uh, just how much I loved computer music back then. And what got me interested was the demo scene and, and trackers. So listening to it is like just a huge time warp for me. And and um, and also realizing how the music composed during that time kind of lived side by side with video game music at that time too. Yeah, and a lot of the guys that wrote video game music also wrote demo scene music, so the two genres overlap a heck of a lot. So it's it's kind of nice that I have both of these shows and I can kind of connect those dots between the demo scene and the video game music scene. Yeah, that's really cool. Now, I have a question, though, because like, I noticed that a lot of the um, the Western composers, especially like the Tim Fallins and um, uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Matt Furness, like a lot of them, they have like this really specific sound that also sounds like stuff that I've heard in demo scene music. Is that, did you, did they have like a connection? Oh yeah, it's all born from uh, the limited capabilities that the C64 and the ZX Spectrum, you know, those guys grew up on that, 
uh, the, on those systems, and they only had like two or three channels to work with, so they had to develop those really quick arpeggios that you find in a lot of the Western composers' mm -hmm. music. And so when they started developing games for the NES, they took all that they learned from those systems and kind of brought it into the NES. So that's why you hear a lot of that really fast arpeggio stuff, and that's what's like the, the Western composer trademark sound on those games. Yeah. yeah, the Japanese scene is a little different. I would say it's more influenced by other types of genres of music and even music that was coming out at the time like late 80s early 90s so a lot of that new i don't want to say newer but newer than like the zx spectrum and things like that well they had fm in japan yeah so they didn't need to do all that arpeggio stuff exactly. because you know they then they worked on the genesis and all that stuff that already had fm that's true story. <laughs> no, I it think, was there. I think it's great. I was like, oh, I finally got you guys, you know, to talk to you about that stuff. I really wanted to, to understand a little bit more. So um, I'm happy I, I did got the chance to do that. So today's episode is all about the number four. A very <laughs> baffling topic, yet also one that was very intriguing. It was posed by our new friends here. And I immediately started coming up with ways to game the system. So, like, when <laughs> you came up with the number four, what was let the fans know, what was your intention for the four? What was four representing? Well, I thought that it was really cool that you guys do episodes based like they were video game levels. Like, one, 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 two, one, three. For, like, every tenth episode, you, you go up a level. So I was like, well, we're starting a brand new level, four, one why don't we pick video game music from the fourth level of video games? I just thought it was something cool to like focus on and kind of celebrate your fourth season. Yeah, so or actually third third season, right? Because you started on one. So this is the yeah. going into the fourth season. Yeah, though no, I think it'd be funny. Maybe maybe when we get to like level four, like, like five, one, we'll go like the, the minus world or something. Like yeah, we'll have minus some. one. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if we have like a um, like some like mix like mixtape type things, we might release on a on a podcast. Um, there you go. Yeah, it'd be kind of cool. Uh, what was I going to say? I don't remember. It doesn't matter. That's great radio. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we usually uh, start off with Purnell, but um, I thought we let you guys start off. So I know that each of you uh, picked a track. So why don't you just I lost um, you. pick? Uh oh, hello, hello. Are you there? Can you hear me, guys? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now yeah. we're. All right, we're back. We're back. Am I good? Uh, yeah. You're kind of cutting in and out again. Testing one, two, three. Testing. On this end, it sounds fine. Yeah, yeah. You're good. All right. All right. All right. So, um, guys, what's your uh, what's your first track? Uh, well, our first track is going to be from the NES. <clears throat> from the NES game Ninja Gaiden 3, uh, the Ancient Temple of Doom. Nice. And uh, we're going to go with Act 4, Level 1, or Part 1. It matches! <laughs> we did our job! Yay! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, look at that.
All right, and we're back. You are listening to Stage 4-1, The Inverted Catwalk from Ninja Gaiden 3, The Ancient Ship of Doom, The Best Ship of Doom, from the NES by Hiroshi Miyazaki, Kaori Nakabai, and Rika Shigeno. So um, why did you guys pick this track? What, what, what do you love about the Ninja Gaiden 3? Uh, Ninja Gaiden 3 is a great game. I mean, I've... I've not had as much experience with it as I have the first two, but I think it's an overall really solid Ninja Gaiden game. Um, it's a little floaty in terms of gameplay. It's a little different than Ninja Gaiden 1 and 2. I felt like those games were a little bit tighter. Um, for the track itself, it's just a very uplifting, like, you-can-do-it kind of Japanese action song. So, <laughs> Which is uh, hilarious because <laughs> this is the level I kind of stopped on on my 3DS replay of it because I downloaded it from the store. And I remembered this track. I'm like, wait a minute, I think this plays on stage 6. And it does, yeah. which is also a catwalk. Because that part is an absolute pain in the butt with the wind blowing and cannon. <laughs> yes. Yeah, the game is notoriously difficult in the U.S. because um, I guess the second game, U.S. fans complained and thought it was too easy. And so <laughs> for the release, they were like, all right, well, forget you guys. We're going to make it difficult. So they uh, took, they made enemies do more damage upon each hit. And on top of that, they only gave you, like, I think five continues or something like that. Whereas on the Famicom version, it's just like the first two games where there's unlimited continues and there's the guys take regular damage. Yeah, so you're going to be a beast to get through this game. I yeah. did not know that. That was rough stuff, man. It's pretty brutal. I did beat it as a kid on rentals, though. I can say that. <laughs> but that's, that's impressive. That's impressive. For me, the hardest one was, oh, I don't know why exactly, but the first one's still the hardest one for me. Of all of them. Yeah, the first one's brutally hard. And it's all about that last stage, though. It's all there. Jack, but the yeah. music keeps you going, man. It's yeah. the, that, I, th- I think I really like those heavy, like, sampled snares. They just they keep those songs in the game just pushing along and making you kill those ninjas yeah, the tec- faster tecmo, and faster. The drums on the Tecmo, tecmo uh, music games. Are, those, are the Tecmos or Tecmo? Tecmo. Tecmo, yeah. I love the, the drum yeah. samples they use. It's always like, it's not quite like the Konami ones they use. It's just a little bit punchier, and I really enjoy that. Yeah, it's good stuff. All right. Um, so, Pernell, let's move it over to you. You've got a, um, a handful of tracks that you brought over to me. So why don't you uh, grab one out of the track bag? <laughs> I'm just going to reach in here real deep and clamor about and start a little light. Who am I kidding? I don't do light. Um, <laughs> Contra 4. Oh. Stage 4. <laughs> Harbor stage. Nice. I was very much about that number 4. Was... <laughs> Alright, let's give it a listen.
Welcome back. You're jamming to stage four for Contra for the Harbor level. It's all right. Um, and it's a fantastic track for a violently brutal game by our friends at WayForward Technologies. I know you're thinking Capcom, I'm sorry, Konami, I've been drinking caffeine. I know you've been thinking Konami, but no. WayForward apparently did the work and Konami did the publishing of the product. And the composer? Hey, if you're going to sign a game over to anybody, it's going to be WayForward. So oh, those guys are You better awesome. believe it. And the composer for this metal, this bad boy is our good friend, Vert, Jake Kaufman. Mm, love that guy. I don't think he's ever done a bad track in his entire life. Prove us wrong <laughs> if you did. That might be true. Yeah, he's awesome, man. Like, it's, a, it's amazing. Like, I don't know, like, when I first met him, he was doing a show. He was, he was doing a concert at MAG, MAGFest. And he didn't even have like a pedigree at the time. He was just a guy who just, I like game music, so I like to kind of like tweak around with it a bit. Do, 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 do. And uh, he came down to our old tiny show. And then out of nowhere, boom, he got hooked up with Way Forward. And Jake Coffin was at the first MAGFest? Yep. Um, surprisingly enough, at the time, I had no clue who he was. But Joe, who was the founder, he, I guess he found him as a guest to bring on, and he did. And at the time, you know, he was just like a you know, regular guy. He's like, I like video game music. Watch me remix it and stuff. And uh, of course, now he's doing music for all these games. So whenever I hear him, I'm like, oh my God, that guy is awesome. I remember back when I had no clue who he was. <laughs> and I looked at him. I was like, all right, you should just stand over there because you're in my way. But um, now he's freaking awesome. And I love every track he's ever put out. And he put some fantastic beats to Contra 4. Which is good because the game is punishingly brutal with its two-screen dynamic. You'll be hearing his music a lot as you die over and over and over again. Um, but it's worth every death that you get because it felt like a forgotten series when that title came out, actually, because it was a long way between Contra 3 and even, like, at the time, I think the last release was Shattered Soldier. Oh, that's right, yeah. So it was a complete shock to hear Contra 4 get brought up. Yeah, Shattered Soldier had just such a great soundtrack. That's one of my favorite soundtracks of all time. And then after that, actually, it was Neo Contra, which was a little bit more, like, dancey. I believe uh, that track, uh, I believe Akira Yamaoka did that, or it was... Yeah, well, he worked on... uh, Shattered Soldier was Akira Yamaoka. Right. And those tracks were beasts. And it sounds they definitely have his style, non-creepy style, mind you, dude. The other more rockabilly, rockabond, rockabond style. Yeah, um, like techno rock. And for the record, yeah. the best track on that game was from the ocean to the sea. Just, just want to point that out. From the sky to the ocean, best track in the game. Is that the one we played <laughs> on, our, on our episode? We probably did so, yeah, because right. if I pick a track from that game, it's gonna be that one, <laughs> and that's it. So the entire level is a fight with one robot, and I really don't care. It's worth it. <laughs> so do you, do you guys have a uh, do you guys have a favorite Jake Kaufman track? Oh, God. Oh, man, that's tough. I Or just one that comes to your mind. Well, the episode that we just put out, actually, our Summer Jams episode, the the track we let off with was from uh, Shantae. Shantae and the Pirates Curse. And we did, uh, well, what was it, Sunburn? Uh, Scorch Sands. Scorching Sands? Yeah, Yeah, Sunburn Island. And uh, that was an an amazing track. I love that one. That's such a great song. Actually, I got a good Jake Kaufman-based question for you. This will be a good one to delve into your personalities, too. All right. <laughs> what is your favorite mixtape on Double Dragon Neon? If you Ooh, put, yes, that that that's a good one. Um, oh man, I'm trying to think. 
See, the only thing I ever remember from that soundtrack is Mango Tango. Mango Tango. Oh yeah. my god! Oh, my friend Rex hears this up and he's gonna snap because we fight about that all the time. He's like, that's the only track worth remembering is Mango Tango. And I'm like, no, it's not. There's a there's oh, like no. there's like countryside. It's a good song. There's some other <laughs> like, really nope. good stuff. It's just Mango Tango is definitely the track that I walk away with. Um I really like that. That that one that's uh it's like automatic dance or something. It's like here's a lesson from the automatic. Oh dance. yeah, that was Remember great. That, yeah, one? Yeah, yeah. that was really a good like one. That one, um, the song that sounds pretty much like Depeche Mode. That one's really good. Um, yeah, those are the two that I really remember. Sweet. Okay, you guys passed the Perndle test. Um, <laughs> Perndle test. You're all right with me. Because so. of the Perndle test, because I, I always mess up his name on my phone, so it ends up Perndle instead of Pernell. I actually thought that you said Pringles at first, and I was like, "That's not his name." He's my favorite. Yeah, yeah. it could be cream and onion. (laughs) He usually has chips on the show, but all right. So I'm gonna take us out of the incredibly hard, punishing, super tight action side scrollers into a different kind of side scroller. So um, I chose all Sega Genesis or Sega Mega Drive tracks because that's all I wanted to listen to this past week, and I found. Um, some music. I, I, I looked for composers and for publishers that I really like, and I ended up finding this amazing track. This is Stage 4, The Magical Moon, from the game McDonald's Treasureland Adventure for the Sega Genesis. Listening to Stage Four, The Magical Moon from the game McDonald's Treasure Lane Adventure for the Sega Genesis, published by or developed and published by Treasure by Katsuhiko Suzuki. You always find these tracks, by the way. I just want to point that out. <laughs> that uh nobody would have thought to go, you know what I want to listen to today? McDonald's Treasure Land Adventure. And then you go. Well, I saw Treasure on it, and then I saw Katsuhiku Suzuki, which I I saw remember that name from somewhere, and I was like, I gotta listen to it. And we're only doing stage four music, right? So I was like, uh, oh, it was an easy sit, yeah. Just just check it out, stage four, and I was like, what? I, it's got the um, it's kind of glitched out opening, and this this whole little melody section, it just sounds so amazing. Now there's there's two parts to the track. I'm assuming in, in the stage, there's like there's two halves to the stage, and it just it just it's just the same song but sped up. And I liked it at this kind of like kind of slower pace. It's just got like a 
like a like maybe like a late 80s kind of early 90s like breakdance kind of jam to it. I've been pop locking over here since the track started. Yeah, yeah, we got a whole bunch of <laughs> got some breakdance on going on by Purnell. <laughs> <laughs> the track is very reminiscent of the electro era for electro music. Yes, like, yeah, early electro. You, you mentioned pop and lock. Like all I can hear is like Africa Bombada, like nucleus <laughs> type stuff. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, like the early early electro like type sound where it's like a lot of like uh, a lot of nine oh nine like kind of heavier drums uh, and like really yeah exactly big synth stabs like back when that was really cool. Sounds really violent for a musical era. <laughs> Stabbing and, <laughs> and popping and locking you up and stabbing you. <laughs> electro stabs gives you a jolt. Treasure Land Adventure. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to Ronald? <laughs> the less you know, the better. <laughs> it's like the Hamburglar broke out again. <laughs> I'm more like the Grimace. <laughs> Nothing can stop that guy. Yeah, so, Katsuhiko Suzuki also did music for Silhouette Mirage, which is another treasure classic. Yeah. I mean, he's a treasure guy, so he's ex-Konami. That might be where you yeah, recognize think, the name then. Yeah, that's where I saw it. Yep, yep. And believe it or not, we actually played this exact track on our show. We, we had a guest on a, a YouTuber by the name of uh, Matt Ezro, the LJN Defender, hey. and he brought this track with him to our show, and he introduced us to it, and yeah. we fell in love with it. Oh so my God, wow. we're like, it's awesome that you guys picked it for this show. Now, before we change topics here, I got to go back to that. There's a guy that goes by the LJN Defender. I'm assuming he yes. likes Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street games. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You you got him nailed. He uh, he basically does in-depth reviews of like all the really like garbagey LJN games and tries to figure out whether they're actually just, you know, whether they're worth playing or not. And a lot of them he finds really good ways to like make you want to play these games, believe it or not. Huh. Interesting. I need to go back, yeah. at least for the Friday the 13th episode, because I tried to play that something fierce. And it just. I love the game, but it really wasn't happening as far as actually doing anything worthwhile in it. Yeah, no, check 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 his uh, check his review of it out because it'll it'll give you like new insight into how to play that game. He's, yeah. he's really good at that stuff. His review is almost a walkthrough in, in a lot of ways. Yeah, my last exposure to that was watching um, Awesome Games Done Quick and seeing a speed run of it, and it, it was funny, and, but I didn't know what was going on because half the time they're just blowing through the game, like like just ignoring everything you're supposed to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like they already know what to do, so you don't have to worry about the plot elements of the game. You just go from place to place, yeah, so it's not, that's not a good way to learn how to play a game. No, but it's entertaining. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, so I think we're going around one more time. So what's your next track? Beautiful. I picked, uh, this is from Sega Rally Championship for the Saturn. It's Stage 4 Lakeside.
back. You are listening to Sega Rally Championship for the Sega Saturn. This is the song Ignition, which is for the stage of Lakeside. All right, so why did you? Uh, what what was your um, your uh, what's the story behind picking the song from Sega Rally? Well, Sega Rally Championship was one of the Saturn games that I grew up with. I only had maybe like half a dozen Saturn games to my name. Sega Rally was the game that I just like played over and over and over again and completely mastered. And uh, it's kind of a special fourth stage because you can play the arcade mode where you play the the, the stages in order, Mm -hmm. but then you can also do the practice mode so you can practice individual stages and do multiple laps on them. But you could only play this fourth stage if you are good enough to beat all of the three first stages in the arcade mode. Mm. So like when you got to Lakeside, it was like a special thing because you knew that you were good enough to beat that really, really tight clock. And so this music was always something special for me because it's just, it sounds so good. It's so jazzy. And you never really got to hear it unless you were good enough to like, you you had to deserve this music. So it was the sound um, of trying. That's why I wanted to pick it. I like that. Yeah, I like that. Knowing, Knowing that this song means more to you because you had to put in the, put in the work just to get to it. Yeah, it's got a real Miami Sound Machine feel as far as the track itself goes. Uh, really, like, kind of Samba-esque. Uh, for the composers, Naofumi Hataya, uh, he was actually the arranger, and the track for the arcade version was composed by Takanobu Mitsuyoshi, who you guys may know is the composer of the uh, illustrious Daytona USA soundtrack, which is one of Ed's favorite soundtracks. Oh, yeah. He's being very sarcastic. Okay. There. <laughs> I was like, oh, really? That's that's awesome. Great, guys. I mean, I love the Daytona soundtrack. I think it's just cheesy, awesome, like jazz rock, but, you know, Ed's, Ed's not so much a... I have a love-hate relationship with Taganobu Mitsuyoshi. I think he's a fantastic composer, but when he <laughs> sings over music, I just I, I can't. Oh, I just can't do it. Well, I gotta so ask cheesy. you this, then, as a follow-up to that. What do you think of the Rage Racer soundtrack? Oh, I love anything that like Shinji Hosoe does. Like, I love the Ridge Racer, Rage Racer, Ridge Racer Revolution. All those soundtracks are amazing. This guy right here. This guy right. All right. You're all right, man. You <laughs> <laughs> haven't had a bad set yet. So what I'm trying to figure out is I, this. I hear this music and I think racing. This is racing music. But like, what makes it a racing song? Like, why? Why does my brain immediately think this is racing music? Like, if you go to like a racetrack, it's going to be loud and people are yelling and screaming and there's engines. But like, what happens? Do you get in the car and suddenly it's like jazzy Miami Sound Machine, Gloria Estefan, like getting down? Like, I think it sounds a lot like like the Outrun series. Like Sega Ooh, has a particular yeah. type of music they play with their racing games, and I think your brain might be hearkening back to like the older you know, Genesis and arcade racing games, because I think that sounds a lot like this one. Oh, yeah, like Outrun, Virtual Racing. Put the top you know. down, put your shades on, just hit yeah. the road. Yeah, yeah. What's, that, what's that Outrun track with the uh, with the waves going on in it? That's so good. Some magical, magical sound, sound shower. shower. Yeah, I love that song, man. <laughs> That's really funny that we're talking about that, because we just played that on, you know, on our summer episode, our summer jams episode, and it was the same thing. It was like, you know, we wanted to go for tracks that you could just like throw the top down and like drive around to our episode. So it's 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 kind of funny that we all brought hitting that on the up. same stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, it's totally. This it's got the, this song's got that summer vibe too. So that that is super summer vibe. Definitely. Yeah, super we should have picked this one. Great <laughs> minds think alike, you know. Super Summer '64. All right, um, Pernell. I got a few tracks here. Which one are you gonna choose? All right, I'm gonna keep this summer vibe going. 
Okay, I'm a little worried about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, to put it for, as a funny joke, I'm going to have to say this, but I'm not going to pick this track until the end of the episode. But the track I was going to play here was selected because it was track number four on the official OST. So that's what that's what I meant when I was like going for number four and stretching it a bit. Oh, that's fine. But um, <laughs> but this track again to keep it with the summer vibe, I'm going to go with Gate of Thunder, stage four, nice. space because nothing awesome. says summer like space. I don't know, but spacey summer. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's a hot track though. So yes, it is. Welcome back. You are jamming out to Stage 4 from the game Gate of, Gate of Thunder, composed by the group only known by Tease Music. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I did well, a little bit of research. There was different names that popped up alongside Tease Music. We, yeah, we, did, we played some music from uh, Lords of Thunder, which was the same composer we know, but, and I think I promised at the time to, to do more research. And I did not do that. Or maybe you <laughs> did, but it's been a while and you just plum forgot. No. Tease music are like, they're like VGM mercenaries. I think we referred to them on our yeah. show. <laughs> uh, it's just like this collective of ever-changing composers that, you know, other companies would kind of hire out to do their music. And they've worked on, like, stuff like Wampum on the uh, on the NES and oh. all sorts of games just all throughout, like, the 8-bit era, the 16-bit era. Uh, then they started getting into hard rock when they started doing the CD-based games. Yeah, they worked on, like, Final Fight CD, Bonk's Adventure for the NES, uh, Felix the Cat for the Game Boy, and the NES, Bonk's Adventure for the Game Boy, Outrun yeah, on the Genesis. Pedigree. They worked on a lot of stuff, um, and there's a large list of people who have been associated with T's music. So It's like two dozen people. Oh, so yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Oh, wow. Well, one specific name that I seen to have come across while doing the search was Nick Wood. So... He might have, he might well have been the guy from the group that did it, but um, it's hard to say. Would you say yeah. this sounds a lot like Lord Lords of Thunder? Yeah, not as it's just a different type of rock sale, mm-hmm. but yeah, they're both definitely rock sounding games. Um, but 
Like I said earlier, this definitely says summer to me. Yeah. We're talking Martians on asteroids floating through (laughs) space with their blankets out. Catching some solar rays. I get like a space vibe, but like more like a like a cowboy bebop kind of space vibe from this track. Oh yeah, you can see that too. Yeah, it, is, it makes your feet top tap. That's for darn sure. Like this is the kind of music that could get me to come back to a game over and over again, even after I've already completed it. Preferably a short game, of course, because sixty-hour games multiple times in a row just ain't happening anymore. But as a shmup, oh yeah, I'll come back down to base town. Never mind. <laughs> There's this really subtle saxophone. I don't know if you guys heard it, but it's like really subtle, kind of hanging on in the background. Sort of almost like, yeah, it's almost like I get the same. It just it fits right in with the guitar, like so so closely. But you can tell it's there, and I really really like that. That's that's a good catch. I felt like um, Jake and Elwood from the Blues Brothers were hanging out with Eddie Van Halen and and making this track. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so definitely, was, definitely a possibility. So this is a shoot 'em up, but is uh is it related to Lords of Thunder at all? For now, no. The only thing I'd have in common is there's a lot of thunder involved. Okay, cool. <laughs> I, got- I believe they're both published at least by Hudson Soft. Oh, publisher and all, yeah, Hudson and oh, Red. Yeah. But like as far as like game themes and stuff go, like the only thing that's in common is they're just both they're both thunderous games i like that oh yeah. actually lords of thunder is a sequel to uh gate of thunder so there you go yeah but there's oh, no, no, there's no, no, like no, spiritual sequels it's not a direct like universe sequel. right exactly right. i'm saying like that's exactly is like they had like there's basically like lords of thunder the sequel to gate but like you wouldn't like say start lord of thunder be like okay the secret is the ship actually became sentient and became the main character of lords of thunder Wait, so it's Lords plural, but gate singular. Yeah, the, he goes through the gate and becomes a lord. I guess that makes sense because there <laughs> wouldn't be like multiple gates, right? It would just be, or lord. I think I'm thinking about That's this way it. too much. That's <laughs> it. He goes through the gate right, yeah. and he splits into four armors. And then the Lord of Thunder wears the ship that came through the gate. <laughs> it empowers him. That's how the game works. We just, we <laughs> just, we. We just came up with the link, guys. That's, that's the best piece of headcanon I've ever heard. <laughs> yes! If we could, we'll, we'll figure it out on the show. We can totally do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, my second track I chose from also from a shoot 'em up from the Sega Genesis, though. This is uh, Glaive Lancer. Um, actually, the full title is a long one. I totally lost it. And it's right in front of me now. It's Advanced Buster Hawk. Glay Lancer for the Sega Genesis. This is stage four, base interior.
Okay, and we are back. You are listening to Stage 4, The Base Interior, from Advanced Buster Hawk, Glay Lancer, for the Sega Genesis, by Masanori Mikichi and Noriyuki Iwadare. What a name. I want to give a, um, a shout-out to Wask, uh, one of our Twitter followers, um, just pointed me in the direction of the soundtrack, and I just listened to it start to finish at my desk uh, at work, and I was like, this is rocking. I love, I love Noriyuki Iwadare. And these, um, this, I love the Genesis sound. So, this, this, this track is just awesome. You were talking about um, a horse gallop, right? Cyber horse racing. Like there's, a, <laughs> there's an adventurous cyber horse race going on right now. The guy is riding through. I'm not sure why he's doing it, but he's going really fast, and he's being shot at from the sky with slingshots and all sorts of AK-39s. It is ridiculous. Yeah, it's like he's going through like a black hole. You know, I think like. Like this is like the adventure section, and at the very, very end, he's like just getting shot right out, and his horse is just going. Oh, <laughs> it's a rocket horse! He Cyber. becomes a rocket horse. Cyber horse. Cyber horse. Glay Lancer. I can dig it. Oh, that'd be better if it was Justin riding the horse. Yeah, there are so many good um, shoot 'em ups on the Sega Genesis, and I haven't got a chance to play this one, but the, the gameplay and it just it looks really intense, and I really like the, the really difficult like side scrolling style. This it looks has like an R type kind of feel to it. I have yeah. seen. Have you guys heard of this game before too? Yeah, Glalancer, uh, I think it's only available in Japan. I've seen like reproduction carts uh, that you can get like they have some at our local retro game shop, but even even like the reproduction carts are going for like 60-70. So, mm. it's really hard to get your hands on. Oh man. Well, that might be kind of difficult then. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. sure if it was Mega Drive only or not. Yeah, because I think probably because I saw like reproduction like things of it which just made things even more confusing for me. <laughs> But yeah, the, the name uh, Buster Hawk, I thought that was really cool. I was trying to think of like other other titles. So I'd be like Purnell um, Thunder Pigeon. Perfect. <laughs> what? There you go. Yeah, I like that. Then again, maybe I could be a, considered a misleading battle name. I could be Thunder Pigeon. Or um, Fire Sparkler. That, I'd stick with Thunder Pigeon. I want people to think I'm a, uh, you know, a, <laughs> a, street, a, a flying rat. With a rocket, thunderous punch that will send you soaring. Are you talking? Isn't that you underestimate? For now, Rocket Knight. That's Rocket yeah. Thunder Pigeon. Thunder <laughs> Pigeon. Thunder Pigeon. Thunder Pigeon. Thunder Pigeon. Can I be Typhoon Sparrow? Typhoon Sparrow. I like this. I think we got a team forming. <laughs> <laughs> now, Mike, what are you gonna be? Uh, 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 uh Boomer Kuwunger. No. No. <laughs> Blazing Peacock. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned galloping bass, and that's kind of my bread and butter. Uh, I talk about it a lot on the podcast uh, that we do. Uh, galloping bass is a signature sound that uh, a lot of uh, like NWOBHM uh, heavy metal bands and uh, bands like Iron Maiden and power metal bands use. So galloping bass is used pretty prominently in that type of music, and that's some of my favorite music. So uh, any song, any video game music song that has galloping bass, I'm, I'm pretty much sold. Um, as far as the tracks, uh, as far as the soundtrack, it was actually composed by uh, Nor- Noriyuki Iwadare Masanori Hikichi, Yoshiaki Kubotera, and Isayo Mizuguchi. So actually four composers oh. composed that back in 1992, all for the Genesis. 
And they're and they're like all over the place in terms of their creds. I mean, uh, one of them is kind of more of worked on games like Steel Empire, which if you like galloping bass, check out Steel Empire on the Genesis, because that is full of it. Really good soundtrack if you're looking for a shooter. It's kind of like a steampunk shooter, oh. so sort of. It's really cool. Uh, and it's getting up there, starting to get up there in price, so definitely grab it while it's still cheap. But I mean, you know, all these composers have been all over the place. Operation Wolf, Taito Chase HQ, uh, ES4, Mask of the Sun, yeah. Battlemaster, Terra Enigma, uh, Lunar Silver Star Story. I mean, you know, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. You were so, just starting to get to the games I'd actually gotten a chance to play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really like the, uh, the the bass sound that comes out of the Sega Genesis hardware. Is like it, it, it can get really deep and like that kind of like FM synthy like plucking sound is just such a I don't know. It just it feels so good to me. Like I really like feel that that sound. Yeah, de- FM definitely has the ba- the best bass, the basty besty bass. Bass, the, the be- bass. It's just best. something that like the the, the 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 Super Nintendo can't get that low. The NES yeah. can't get that low. It's like if you want a really good bass in your music, like FM is just just the design of how like the sounds are made is they can widen those wavelengths so deep that you can get that really low hum. I think it depends. I mean, if you listen to stuff like Super Castlevania for the bass on that yeah. is that's incredible. Yeah, that's true. It's I think real, on some it gets of those super low. I think on some of those uh, uh, SNES titles, like they're I think they maybe like they're using more like like cartridge space to, to, to have more like sample size to have. like a richer sample yeah yeah, yeah but I mean like sample. if you listen to stuff like El Viento or like uh, Arcus Odyssey like that type of stuff on the Genesis uh, Motoi Sakuraba is like a really big yeah. big like bass guy so he uses a lot phenomenal. of yeah we had a Motoi Sakuraba was it? yeah we had Motoi Sakuraba because he's the best and I played like all Genesis tracks <laughs> so yeah. good top three no question. Yeah, El Viento was an amazing soundtrack. I like yeah, all it was. The, the different sound, the, the different samples he would use along with everything else. Um, but yeah, definitely great use of bass. Did you guys end up playing Arcus Odyssey on that episode? Nah, I, I'm trying to remember what I actually did with uh, what we did choose. You played some newer stuff. I had a lot of um, Arcus Odyssey was in my backups. I think I chose a few tracks. Yeah, that that, that intro stage I'm like in love with right now. <laughs> I think that episode. Again, through Rob's end, I learned about him having done a lot more games than I'd even realized he had a part in. Because oh yeah, when we came up with the topic, you know how it goes. Again, he was like my he's like one of my favorite composers, so I was already done. It's like there was no work. <laughs> the tracks <laughs> yeah. were picked. No, that's that's how I feel about uh, Iku Mizutani. So I, I hear you. Yeah, like that coming in, Rob does does his Rob thing was like now from. McDonald Hero Quest. Like, where did you find this? Well, Who knew? You know, there's there's parts of my job where you know there's difficult parts of my job, and then there's parts where you know it's just turn the brain off and just get to work. Yeah, <laughs> listen, yeah. listen, listen to soundtracks all the way through. I like that. I, I feel like this this show has been like a kind of an excuse for me just to kind of branch out and listen to stuff that I normally wouldn't listen to or just that's what I haven't been exposed to. So let's um let's bring this music all the way down, and we are town. Down downtown, Julie I'm Brown. talking downtown. <laughs> downtown Purnell Brown Town. <laughs> That's a lot of down. All right, gotta cut that out. Anyway, this is the part of the show um, called the bonus round. Bonus round. <laughs> That's the best one yet.
<laughs> I'm working on it. Well, this is the part of the show where we listen to remixes and covers based on today's theme. And I, I, I don't think I picked one from the theme. And honestly, I'm not exactly sure what part of the game <laughs> my remix is from. But um, Ed, Mike, you brought a track to me, and it is rocking. What you got? This one is called Cowabunga, and it's from Will Rock and Six Toe Sounds.
All right, and we're back. We that was uh, wow, Kawabunga by Will Rock and Six Toe Sounds. So that actually that was level four, wasn't it? From um, the Turtles and Turtles in Time or Turtles? Which one of the Turtles? It was Turtles in Time. Yeah, Turtles in Time for the SNES. Yeah, I guess uh, that one. Out. It skipped around to a couple different like levels here and there, but uh, the, the the main theme throughout the song was a level four track. For some reason, I don't know what it is. Maybe I, I'm, I'm thinking I might have just misinterpreted or misheard before. Split second, I thought it was the star base. And I was like, no, it has to be the Technodrome. But it sounds like the star base here for some reason. Yeah, yeah. There, there was little hints of the star base in, in and out there. But then there was the Technodrome theme, too. So I guess what they, what they, this was part of the Shellshocked uh, remix album that OC Remix put out. So each... Uh, track that they did was like from a different level so what a lot of the remixers did was they threw in like other parts of their favorite songs in the game along with the level that they were supposed to do so mini medley yeah exactly okay well i was definitely a fan of it i was grooving to it yeah what's that that synth like that synth lead came in that keyboard solo like it just it sounded so good with everything else and it had that that big like turtles adventure sound at that moment, I knew yeah, if, that I regretted not having the cart anymore. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys uh, are are into that, you may want to check out Sixto Sounds' other stuff. He does some amazing remixes. Is it also uh, rock, like kind of rock style, or is it just? Yeah, yeah, like just exactly like that. Just really high end, like crazy power metal y, you know, fast. Uh, hard rocking tunes with uh, you know it's got that synth overlay so at, at at points. It's yeah, really he's, good. he's got some Mega Man stuff, some uh, Final Fantasy stuff. So he kind of just puts rock spins on all those tracks. Yeah, it's all really good well, stuff. You mentioned Mega Man, so that's already my cup of tea. So yeah. <laughs> that's right, Mega Fan for Mega Man. Mega Fan. That's me. <laughs> all right, so Pernell, I think um, I think you kind of reached out for something a little different for the bonus round. Yep, and by that I mean I didn't pick a remix because. It just didn't... I wanted to stick with this theme. I liked it too much, and... <laughs> hey, you had a whole bunch of tracks you showed up with, and I was like, which one? You're like, just don't worry about it. <laughs> the beautiful thing it. about this theme, too, is the fact that it allowed me to reach and pull out tracks from games that I don't know when we'd actually fit them into a normal episode of the show. And this particular track would be exactly that, and it's from a game that I've considered to be one of the great travesties of gaming in that we never got any official releases in the United States. An absolute travesty, I tell you. <laughs> the track itself, and to tie back to what you guys had mentioned earlier about if it was on, I think you said PC-98. Yeah. This game was on there. Um, nice. Princess Maker 2, Winter. I chose it because... You start the game in the spring, which is, you know, as a Japanese game and Japanese where everything kind of starts with the spring right. leading into the rest of the seasons, the birth, the beginning. Winter is the fourth season. It's the fourth season you access in the game. The number four is a big one. And in Stuck the end, with hey, it. you made a princess. I made a princess. <laughs> and she kicked butt as a warrior for the kingdom. That's what she does. All right, let's give it a spin. <laughs>
welcome back. You are listening to the track from the game Princess Maker 2 for, oh my god, a lot of systems. But the system that I personally played it on was DOS. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I wrote down. It's all MS-DOS. And it was basically developed by Gynax, of all, if you can believe it. The guys behind Neon Genesis Evangelion made a game called Princess Maker 2. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, that's pretty interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, I have the composers as Masahiro Kachihara and Ryu Uemoto. So good. This game, again, to me, is one of the great travesties of gaming <laughs> because I only found out about it through a good friend back in college who found out about it on like some Where's website he got he went to. And like this was a game that was it came out in ninety three. Again, Gynax developed it, and it was supposed to eventually have gotten a release because a, a US, another company to come, acquired the rights to an English release in like 95 or so. But uh, by the time they got around to being able to release it, DOS was kind of a dead platform, and they didn't see the monetary value in even trying to release it at that point, so it just kind of went to the went to the vapor. Well, tell me about, real quick, tell me, tell me about Princess Maker. Give me the elevator Princess Maker pitch. <laughs> Essentially... The kingdom gets attacked by a bunch of demons, and if I remember correctly, a great light comes down and smites the demons. And by doing so, the being who submitted the light goes weak and is poof. Okay. So a a person from heaven descends with a baby and gives it to you and says, this will become the next great being, but we need you to raise it. Okay. To become, you know, the best he or she can, that she can be. So you are tasked with raising this divine child to the age of eighteen from the age of ten. And what it's like a turn-based thing where you're like you're putting the baby into battle and you're choosing. Like, no, you no, 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 no. <laughs> well, you do put the baby in the bed, but initially, you know, it's like a day-to-day sim where, like, you know, she wakes up. It's like, okay, what do you want to do today? You want to go to work? Do you want to learn how to craft? Battle. You do all these different things, like tons of things she can become, like. Mine became a barbarian, and she started. <laughs> nice. I sent her to the battle tournaments. She beat all the other kids with swords That's pretty and awesome, adults, yeah. and she would go onto the mountains and hunt giant condors. And like, cause there was like an actual RPG battle system when you went on adventures. Oh, that's cool. Um, but there was so much you could do in the game. You could become like you could become like a chef. You could become a botanist. You could become a warrior. You could you could marry. She could marry the butler and run away. <laughs> like there were t- like like a hundred endings in this game, it was ridiculous. And at that time, a hundred endings is just re- is unprecedented. Yeah, honestly, it's very very unique. But like so it's, I, it's, so it's like a really advanced Tamagotchi, basically. Yes, that's what it sounds. And like, I right? was honestly, I kid you not, I was addicted to this game. I would go to class, I would come home, check on my kid. Oh man, <laughs> that's my girl. She won the tournament. Daddy trained you well. You know, I was like really into this game. And then my other friend, the one who told me about it, Mike. He was playing it too, so we were comparing our kids. So I was like, my kid is a better cook than your kid. Pick your kid to school, man. Come back and show me when she's a real chef. How many? <laughs> so this was the second one. Do you know if there were any others? I believe there was a total of five, but none of them actually got a shot at US but two, which again is a shame because I think the fifth one actually came out on like something as late as maybe the PS3. And what sounds very Japanese and at a time when a lot of very Japanese things weren't coming overseas. Yeah, for two at least, but you figure by the time five came out, I mean, we were getting all kinds of wacky crap from Japan. So it was like, 
the floodgates were down. I mean, <laughs> ready to go. There's nothing they've got over there that we can't handle anymore. I don't think. I think we're pretty much <laughs> regarding squared. the song. Uh, I, I I don't know. Maybe I was the only one that was waiting for boys to men to come in to start singing. <laughs> I'm gonna raise you. I was telling him. I was like, we're picking all these like these these fun like summer tracks, and um and he picks the winter track. But you're right. This is like a slow summer jam. Then we can go with that. No summer. I'm telling you. He's Rob said that over here too. He's like, this is this is a summer track. Like, no, don't you see it? She's holding. She's wearing mittens. She's got her coat on. The snow's coming down. Daddy, give me some cocoa. And there's um and there's four boys down the hall, and they want to sing to her. They want to become <laughs> men, to... and they only do it in one way, <laughs> uh, with vocals. Gotcha. Good. Yes. 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 We'll go with you. that. We'll go with that. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're going to come out of this then. This <laughs> 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 is taking a turn. We're, um, we're going to a... Um, I found a remix from Toe Jam and Earl by Jay Rabbit, and that's all it's called. The Toe Jam and Earl remix. Jam on it.
Toe Jam and Earl remix by the artist Jay Rabbit. So, um, yeah, there you go. I, I just have like kind of a, a whole bunch of SoundCloud um, artists and tracks that I've, I've liked over over the time, over the years I've been on there. And then just I kind of reach into the into the bucket of remixes that I liked. And this is one of the ones I've been wanting to put on the show for a while. Reach into have? the Jay Rabbit hat. The J Rabbit. Oh, <laughs> pull out a rabbit, a J Rabbit. Hey oh, <laughs> and also you can't even the hip hop to bop the J Rabbit. Don't stop. <laughs> <laughs> can't you can't go wrong with Toe Jam and Earl, and it kind of kept in my Genesis theme for the day. That no, was that was really that good. was great, man. That throaty bass just just got me, and really actually kind of reminded me of uh, the first Joshua Morse remix you guys did on the last episode from uh, yeah. from Vlad Two. Yeah, I guess I'm really on that kind of kick right now because that's been like kind of not leaving my car for the whole week, just like just pumping up Castlevania tracks. <laughs> for some reason, the that's thing that got album. me the most about that track was just the chomping. Oh, that yeah, yeah, it was kind of like it sounded like 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 a like a, like a big like wow 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 like, like dentures dentures. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a like, big you know, sucker dent- for samples in, in terms of like sound vocal samples. Mm-hmm. So when they whenever any kind of artist like that throws in like little samples from the game, like Skrillex when he did the Mortal Kombat, like the fight, like that type of stuff. Yeah. I love that stuff. That it's it's a nice throwback to the original, uh, but at the same time, it, it keeps it fresh and, and and unique. Yeah, what was great was that even he didn't just throw in the like the little vocal samples. Like he also kept some of the same like melody and everything from the game, which which I really appreciated. Um, I, th- I think a lot of times a lot of remix artists kind of go off and just do their own thing and then just kind of throw in maybe parts of like game music in like a in like um like a bridge or like in the breakdown of a song and i'm like come on you can yeah do if you want to do your own thing do your own thing but if you want to do a remix keep it at yeah. least like 75 percent yeah in in, yeah. in with the original song yeah there's a lot more you can you can do with it and you know you know if I, they, or of course they could argue that if i wanted to listen to toe jam and earl i should just go listen to toe jam and earl but, I'd but like they to, would be wrong they would be wrong because that was banging <laughs> Have you guys heard any of uh, John Baker's stuff for the Sega remixes that he did, like the classic, like like smooth jazz stuff that it, that he did? It's like all funk and stuff like that. It's really good. It's all Toe Jam and Earl tracks. Ooh. No, I, I haven't. I think one of our friends, uh, Matt, is really into that kind of like jazzy sound. He he might know about that. So uh, yeah, it's really good. Check it out. Damn, because I want to. Yeah, I just wrote that later. down. It's a John Baker. Uh, John Baker, yeah, did did the I believe John Baker was the composer of Toe Jam and Earl, uh, but he definitely did the jazz versions, and they're all like really good. They're like jazz funk, if you will. Cool. All right. Well, for more information on the artists and uh, bands covered on the bonus round portion of the show, check out the website rhythmandpixels.com. Thank you for joining us today on episode 4-1 of Rhythm and Pixels. And we want to thank our guests, uh, the Pixel Tunes Radio. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having us on, man. It was a great time. It was a lot of fun. And we we learned that we have much in common. Much, Much bonding has been done today. 
I have to yes. say, yeah, I really, really enjoy your guys' show. I'm going to see if I can get Purnell listening to the podcasts. It's going to happen. <laughs> I don't think it really does. But um, can you give us some information on how people can find your show? Sure. You can head over to pixeltunesradio.com. That's where we have our blog roll and put all of our stuff. Or catch us on Twitter at pixeltunesradio. You can also check us out at youtube.com forward slash dongled. Or if you just go to YouTube and type in pixeltunes one word and then the second word radio, uh, that's really the best way to find our podcast. And of course, on iTunes as well. Very cool. And do you guys have any other um, any other projects or any other things that you're working on that you want to plug while you're all here? Yeah, sure. I do a show on that same YouTube channel called Dude, You Haven't Played This Game. Uh, it's a <laughs> video game review show. Uh, it's skit-based, so it's kind of like Angry Video Game Nerd mixed with, like, Happy Video Game Nerd mixed with, like, uh, some of the stuff that Clan of the Grey Wolf does. It's like Schizophrenic Video Game yeah, Nerd. different video, video Game Nerd. nerd. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it, I, I like to call it it's informative... Uh, and, and, and adult and educated, but also very silly and goofy and slapsticky as well. So it's it's something for the best of both worlds. And Ed does a side podcast as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think we mentioned it at the beginning of the show. But uh, Impulse Project, our, my demo scene podcast with uh, Brian, who also does pixelated audio. Uh, and you can find us at pixelated... Impulseproject.info is where you can find more info on that show. All right, great, thank you. And, thank um, you. Yeah, and so when this show comes out, Pernell will be back from the Too Many Games uh, convention in the greater Philadelphia area after performing the Pernell and Matt Play Games Live. So um, we can pretend like it just happened. Pernell, that was excellent. <laughs> I, I, it was right. I, I saw it in the paper. Like everyone was writing about it. It was yeah, on people CNN. Le- yeah, yeah. <laughs> when we left, when we left the room, it exploded behind us because that's how awesome it was. We just it couldn't contain it anymore once yeah. we walked out. I don't know how did you guys get coverage on ESPN. Well, you see, that all began once we got our space hoops event going on. Oh, um, right. Matt started talking to Smack, and I had to, you know. We had, I had, we had, I had to take on the challenge. I couldn't just turn him down. Had like a Space Jam situation. Oh, it was happened. a Space Jam. Just broke right out. Oh yeah, and then <laughs> while we were playing, of course, you know, some unexpected spectators were partaking of our game, and then they kind of beamed down, and they decided that they wanted to choose us as space battle ambassadors <laughs> for the fate of the greater <laughs> northeastern Pennsylvania area. So it was. The fate of hundreds rested on our shoulders, so we kind of literally, to... literally tens and tens of people. Yes, we had to take <laughs> them to the streets, the space streets, and oh. boy, let me tell you, it was a sight to behold. I mean, I had the ball going through between my legs. I'm talking Matt spun it on his finger. No, Matt, Matt was, can ball. It, he can ball. I'm talking. I'm talking. <laughs> he picked the ball and he put it down. It was insane. Yeah. They couldn't contain, they couldn't handle it. I've seen that man actually hold the ball before. That's pretty great. He did. <laughs> People didn't understand how to react to the majesty that was Matt holding a basketball. Well, it was the stuff of legends. Aside from the, uh, the Space Jam scenario, I cannot wait to hear about the show. <laughs> Me too, because I admit I am quite nervous. It's not much of a spoiler now to talk about it, because by the time people hear this, it'll be over. But the intent is that... We're going to go on and um, essentially Pernod and Matt Play Games is a show where we just kind of play games and we banter about them while we do and just kind of have a good time. So their goal is we're going to go in, we're going to introduce ourselves and we're going to have a kind of a versus-a-thon where it's like we choose members of the audience and we will battle on their behalf for gift cards. Um, the, The winner gets a gift card and the loser 
gets to mock the person who played on their behalf. Gets slimed. <laughs> uh. <laughs> it's all gross. And I, th- I think that sounds sounds really exciting. And then when we play, I think it's like two or three games we've kind of shuffled through. We're going to play Mega Man Unlimited as our. This is a very frustrating game. Let's see if they can actually do well at it. And hopefully we'll have enough fun banter to keep people entertained while we play. And hopefully it'll just be enjoyable. Cool. Well, so. Check out uh, Pernell and Matt Play Games on YouTube. Uh, YouTube.com slash Pernell and Matt Play Games. Probably? Is that yes. right? Probably. Probably. Yes. You're going to say yes. All right, cool. We'll have the links to that on our website and on our Facebook. So if you want to get more information about the show and um, full track listing, check out the website. RhythmandPixels.com And if you want to um, let us know how we're doing, if you have anything you want to say to us, contact us at our email. RhythmandPixels at Hotmail.com <laughs> um, If you like what you're hearing and you want to hear more every Monday, hit that subscribe button on iTunes or Stitcher or Podblaster, Last.fm. Um, wherever you're getting your podcasts, you'll probably find us there. Hit the subscribe button. We really appreciate it. And... Um, yeah, we're on Facebook, facebook.com slash Rhythm and Pixels. And we're also on Twitter, at Rhythm and Pixels. Hit us with some comments. Hit us with some ratings. Let us know what you think and what you want to hear. Because quite frankly, I have a big mouth and I want to talk. Yeah, we'll, we are very open to any kind of suggestions. We'll, we'll create some kind of crazy topic around it. And every week, we'll just get down. Yeah, that's right. I'm talking Jitterbug, Charleston, <laughs> Flagpoles, Shuffle everything. Yeah, the flagpole shuffle kind of ruined my floor of that. So not that next time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, yeah. Again, thanks guys from Pixel Tunes Radio. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, and we'd love to have you guys on our show in the near future. Oh, I'd game Rob. Yeah, absolutely. We'll we'll figure it out, and um, awesome. we'll do it over email. We'll figure all that out. So my name is Rob Nichols, and I'm Pernell. Thanks for listening. Good night. And as you heard this episode, as fun as it was, as it usually is with the two of us, it's even better with friends. Four made it fun. So by all means, reach out to your friends and your companions. Bond. Create together. Because greatness comes better when more heads come together. <laughs>